Uh, absolutely, that that is absolutely crucial. That that that's my experience. That that you uh, foster collaboration, that you enable collaboration, and it's uh, it's. Uh, I had a great conversation with Sandra Thompson, which we both met at the conference. And when I when I showed her my my process, she said, "This is liberating." And I said, "Yes, I believe so. It is liberating." Um, I mean, just imagine uh, how much trust you build between uh, organizations, which typically kind of live in silos. At least in, in big companies, they people live in silos and they have their opinions about the other silos. <laughs> they sure do. Welcome to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Slayton, and I'm so glad you're here. I empower leaders to turn indifferent customers into loyal fans. I talk to guests with a wide range of expertise who share meaningful insights and wisdom. We give you practical tips and proven frameworks and share ways to help you delight your customers. Well, what fun on today's episode of the Delighted Customers podcast, all the way from near Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, again, another guest from Europe. I'm so excited about that. But this one in particular is really special, different. And I um, haven't known him all that long, but had the chance to, to meet him in person, not where I live in Delaware, but up in Michigan at Michigan State University. Uh, just uh, recently, there was an, an annual meeting up there, a conference of CX people, and he was uh, giving us a workshop and one of the presenters at the professional event that happened right after that on the topic we're going to talk about today, which has to do with customers and the goals they have and how we can help them achieve their jobs or trying to get accomplished when they interact, jobs to be done when they interact with your brand. So um, I just can't wait to get into it. It's different. I think you'll find it fascinating. Um, Eckert, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Thanks so much for the invitation. It's a it's a great honor and, and pleasure to be well, here. Well, thank you. And I want to make sure I get you the pronunciation of your last name. Is it Bohm? It's in, in German. It would be Boom. Boom in German. Okay. So let's get that right. So so Eckert, Boom. Boom. Yeah. That's, that's good enough. Good enough. <laughs> um, well, thank you. Thank you for that. I think it is important to get people's names right. Um, it's, it's part of, it goes along with customer experience management. And that's why I was always ask people, sometimes I can't remember them and I can't do a good job of effectively pronouncing them, but I do really want to try because I know it matters. <clears throat> uh, but beyond that, would you mind sharing with the audience, uh, what it is that you do and how, what kind of led up to you doing what you do now? Yeah. Um, so since. 2018, I, I'm focused on the jobs to be done theory and uh, consult companies, uh, train them to apply the method and uh, also trying to evolve my own tools and processes around jobs to be done. Um, before that, I um, worked for a long time uh, for a big software company in uh, Washington State. Uh, served the last three and a half years as their curriculum architect for the marketing discipline. 
and uh, and and uh, during that time, I, I got interested in marketing education, marketing training, and uh, learning about the latest and, and greatest concepts. And had the pleasure to work with some uh, great schools in the U.S. and worldwide um, on on creating uh, training programs. And by education, I'm an industrial engineer, which is is a role where, where you combine kind of business issues and uh, and technology. And um, after 30 plus years, I found out why I studied the subject. Something so sorry, uh, Eckert, that was my fault. I accidentally hit the mute button and then I couldn't, it wouldn't let me hit the unmute button. So, um, <clears throat> so we're going to have to rewind a little bit. My, my, totally my apology. The first time I ever did that, but where, where shall I'm glad start? we caught it. Um, so, um, so you went to go work and was it Microsoft? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was yeah okay. That's but right. then you said you were an industrial engineer. Um, exactly. By, by education, I'm an in, in, uh, industrial engineer. And uh, after a long time, I, I figured out exactly why I studied this, the subject, because I'm, I see myself as bridging the gap between uh, the solution space and the problem space, which is a customer and products and services that we provide and really understanding the scene of both areas, if you want. Okay, so you have an engineering background, which is really interesting because, you know, one of the aspects of customer experience, an area that's not my strength at all, is the the idea of experience design. Um, and that's how to design an experience in such a way that um, we can delight or or have the customer have a good outcome, the desired outcome that they want. And so you bring, you're, you're one of those small percentage of CX professionals that comes with that, at least you're wired to understand how engineering works, right? Yeah, I, um, I think before you even take on solution development design, you have to understand the problem first. So. Um, like Albert Einstein said, um, if I had 16, uh, like an hour to solve a problem, uh, I'd spend 55 minutes on understanding the problem and five minutes on developing the solutions. And I think that he really pointed out how important it is to understand the problem, which is uh, the thing that customers want to achieve. It's like their jobs to be done. That's why they hire products and services for, to get a job done. And uh, if we don't have a good understanding what the job is they want to get done, uh, we are not good at designing solutions. Um, so I think a, a solid understanding of these uh, jobs to be done is, is essential for um, solution development and experience design. Right. So I want to, <clears throat> often when guests come on, I like to pull out the gems uh, so we don't roll past them too fast for our audience. And one of the gems that you shared was referencing 
in concept what Einstein said, you know, if I had an hour, I'd spend 55 minutes working on what the problem is and five minutes with on the solution. And I think that comes in handy an awful lot for a CX professional, especially when we get challenged on how are you going to solve that? You know, how are you going to solve that? Or what's your solution for that? And, and I think it's easy to jump to the solution rather than spending more time and, you know, whoa, let's, let's slow down. Let's make sure we're solving the right problem. Right. Exactly. Uh, and I think as professionals, sometimes we are deeply, let's say, experienced and uh, we may know some of the issues involved because we have done this for 20 right. years. But uh, and sometimes we don't know. We It's a new area. Let's say we work for a client and uh, the subject is new to us. Anyway, in both cases, I would recommend kind of stepping back and doing customer research because even though if we have been part of the industry for so many years, we, we may make assumptions and we may still may not know exactly what customers want to, what customer jobs they want to get, get done. Um, and uh, even if we ask them sometimes, they cannot tell us because they do it subconsciously. Um, it's they 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 can talk about activities and desired outcomes but they are mostly bad in explaining exactly what they want to accomplish at a high level so it's up to us i think as researchers to find out what people want to accomplish a good example is a, a research study i've done with with a colleague in the us a couple of years ago when we asked um, adult children um, what they um, what the issue was with finding uh, a new home for a loved one, uh, an elderly one, um, like a um, nursing home or assisted uh, living uh, solution or something yeah. like that, and and they can wonderfully talk about that subject. It's like all the details all the buying cycles that went, went through, through. But they couldn't articulate that what we found out, it was about um, uh, a decent last uh, phase of mm. life. That's what they wanted to accomplish for, for the loved one. And uh, so we had to extrapolate that from our research findings for, from all the puzzle pieces that we found. So, um, <clears throat> so really interesting to dig deeper uh, and not necessarily take what's on the surface, what's being presented on the surface. And another thing that you said, which I think is really interesting, that CX practitioners and professionals in general should be aware of is that customers can't always articulate what they actually want. They could talk about how things like processes and activities, but what they desire at a deep level, you, you might have to, you know, have to do some work on to try and get to that, right? Exactly. So I like that famous uh, Henry Ford quote. It's like, if I had pe asked people what they want, they would have told me faster horses, yeah. right? That's what they know. I mean, they don't know better. But if we uh, do deep customer research, we, we hear so many stories from people. I mean, they are all different. But there are some commonalities that, that we can see. We can see some patterns in, in behavior, in needs, 
in pains and gains in, in customer jobs. So if we suck those up and um, and, and process them, then we, we we are in a much better shape to become uh, uh, like a trusted advisor to the to the customer. It's like advising them the kind of the best possible uh, solution for their desired outcome. Yeah. As another point of connection for Eckerd and myself is that we both know, uh, personally know Charlie Green, who wrote and co-authored the Trusted Advisor book and are big fans uh, of his and the, this concept there of, I think that it, it dovetails nicely into customer experience, which is, you know, how can we become as CX leaders, professionals, <clears throat> or even as brands become trustworthy to the people that we work with, or in the case of uh, brands, customers, how do we how do we go about doing that? And what you're talking about with uh, the idea of jobs to be done, one thing inherently different about that approach is it requires us to put ourselves in the shoes of the customer. If what we're asking is, what are the jobs the customer wants to get done? Exactly. Um... Um, Clayton Christensen, he's, he's one of the protagonists and, uh, and popularize uh, jobs to be done. He said once um, that uh, if you know the customer's job, it becomes obvious how to improve the product. So if we have a really clear understanding of the customer job or the customer jobs, sometimes it's, a, it's, a, um, it's like a cluster of customer jobs um, then we are in a much better decision to, to design uh, products, but not also products, but the, supporting the customer throughout the whole customer journey, if you will, um, to help them in each step of the of that journey to make progress. Um, and that's, that doesn't start when the customer reaches out and try to find a solution. We can start even much earlier when the customer is, uh, let's say, procrastinating and uh, because he or she has some uh, kind of concerns uh, for to change and to make a move, we can encourage the customer actually to move forward um, in, 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 in taking the first step in making progress to avoid uh, later on any harm or maybe uh, regret. Uh, so in, in the sense of if I just had done this three years ago, I, I would be in a better place. Yeah. Well, and I'm now I'm going to ask you to kind of walk through uh, practically what um, what you've come up with in the jobs to be done uh, model. I will share, and so without the benefit of visuals, now I'll share. When you first explained to me, I did share a couple of screens with me. But in Michigan, in Michigan State, um, you led the entire group of uh, faculty and many of the students who are enrolled in the MSU CXM master's program were there. You led us all through um, a very abbreviated <laughs> version of what would be a full day, maybe two day workshop. And so I give you a lot of credit trying to, trying to put that much uh, into such a short space. And when you and I talked about how difficult that is to do as a facilitator. But one of the things that, so if I could frame it out, um, Eckerd walked us through a multi-step process that had uh, rectangular, maybe three by four foot or two by three foot 
um, uh, sheets of like a laminated paper. Uh, it was a special paper. In fact, he said, you're not allowed to write on that. <laughs> and they they used they stuck to the wall with static electricity so he already had all of us mesmerized before we even started like why don't they have that in the u.s mm-hmm. you know of course germany's ahead of us on that those of us who schlepped around 100 pound you know rolls of butcher block paper to put on a wall uh were envious and scratching their heads why didn't we have that but so <laughs> we had these great Great thing. And it, it was like a wheel, right? Because it's going to lead into what you're going to talk about. And through the wheel, uh, we got to walk through a process that put us kind of in the customer's shoes. So can you give, the without visuals, give the audience an idea of kind of st- a step-by-step version of how that works? Yeah, um, it let me step, step back just a just a minute to explain where yeah. this tool came from because when when uh, my colleague and I we worked uh, on on uh, jobs to be done projects with clients we found it rather kind of complicated to explain what job to be done is in the first place it took us almost like a half a day and and clients really didn't appreciate yeah. that they wanted to, they wanted to work with jobs to be done the other issue that we faced was uh, there weren't a lot of great tools uh, there were distributed tools like like diverse tools all over and, uh, and and we found it hard to bring them all together so in, in at one day we started a project to build something that we called the wheel of progress it's a canvas it's a, like a big poster it's a canvas with a structure where you can uh, capture uh, the input from customer interviews, from jobs to be done interviews. And uh, so how we typically do this is we we lead interviews and uh, then we capture the notes. Either we can do this as a, as a, using a transcript and then transferring that content uh, on sticky notes and, and post it on, on the poster. Or we can, in the meantime, we are trained and educated and can do it in real time. So while the interview is going on, we can capture uh, the essence of the interview and, and put them on, on the Wheel of Progress. But the Wheel of Progress is, is kind of a very, has a very basic uh, idea, is um, to document uh, customer stories around purchasing a product. And uh, it has a timeline, which has a, uh, the shape of a cycle. So it's not a straight line or a bent line. It's it's it looks like more like a wheel when you uh, when you yeah. look at it, and it goes. Uh, it starts with like the first thought, um, and ends with uh, the the experience with the product, and now it has some some steps in between. And and totally we look at like four phases and four types of events uh, that happen that drive the customer kind of forward in their project. To make progress but that's not the only concept uh, on the on the wheel of progress we also have um, a thing called um, constraints and constraints are uh, kind of factual things that are in the way of making progress they are without a feeling I want, I want to say without kind of a negative feeling they are just factual uh, be health related or financial 
uh, your, your financials it could be uh, regulation, could be also uh, time related that you only have a window, a uh, certain window to act, right? So, and, and when you look at the wheel and uh, the hub is badly greased, it's like there's friction, it's squeaky, it doesn't turn well, then you know the wheel is not going to turn very well. So you have you have the timeline, you do have constraints that you capture, and then you have, of course, um, forces, uh, forces driving you to the new world, leaving the status quo, and you have forces that keep you where you are, like your good old habits, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have like four forces um, to pulling you in the new direction to um, kind of keeping you in the old place. And then we have something in between where you make up your mind it's uh, desired outcomes and avoidances. So when you don't know what the solution is going to look like, you have just an idea about the kind of the new situation, what you want to accomplish. And then we have, of course, we have jobs to be done with their gains and their pains. So they're all experience based. So when you conducted a, a job and there was a lot of pain, then you can document that as well as the pain. So the positive outcomes of, of performing a, a customer job. Uh, and the last piece I, I haven't mentioned yet is solutions. So we always capture what customers uh, acquired in terms of products or services or any help to make progress that can be things related to the purchase, that can be things related to the product itself uh, for example, when you buy when you buy like a, an expensive uh, bike, you want to have a big lock and then maybe an insurance. So uh, to understand the full solution space and um, those products also point back to customer jobs. So that kind of in a nutshell is uh, it's a very structured way how to um, how to capture the data. It's all color coded, so it can be easily read and. Uh, a nice side effect of having uh, like that uh, poster is like it can serve as a as a basic structure for your questionnaire. So you can walk into a customer interview without even kind of cold and naked without any questionnaire. And you just look at the wheel of progress and, and see all the white spaces that you want to fill with data from the interview. Mm. So so it has a lot of application. Um, and what I heard you saying, you know, it's a great way. We're trying to get at what the customers really want, even if they can't articulate, even if they don't fully know yet, going back to the Henry Ford, you know, what I think I want is a faster horse <clears throat> rather than a car. Um, you know, this can help us, I, I guess, kind of pull and push, poke and prod to to dig into that and get a little bit deeper as to you know what what are they trying to achieve and what are the things that might help or get in the way exactly so understanding the kind of the, the full 360 <coughs> and we, we we also call it the cycle <coughs> uh understanding the cycle uh because eventually when you acquire a new solution you're happy i mean you're supposed to be happy right you're you, it, it solved your problems, it helps you to get the job done until you have the first thought that it's not good enough anymore. Like the car that you know, makes some strange noise and you know, eventually I have to, <laughs> have to buy a new yeah. one. 
Um, but for the time being, I, I mean, you're, you're happy with, with that uh, solution and, uh, and understanding um, that, that kind of that movement to uh, that, that, that process of making progress is, is what we want to accomplish, uh, documenting. And of course, we don't rely on one interview or maybe on two. So typically, there's a series of um, customer interviews um, after we have really thought deeply about who we want to invite. And then we have to, of course, we have to put together all the data from all the interviews. And in the past, it was really almost impossible. How do you combine interview A with interview B? Because they're so, so different. But since we are now breaking down the information into these 12, we call them 12 elements, uh, we can combine them at the element uh, basis. So we can combine, um, we can cluster jobs, pains, gains, or any of these 12 elements. And then uh, that's valid because we can paraphrase them, we can generalize them, and they don't need to be part of the same story. They can be part of many, many stories, but at the elements, they are, they are very similar. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you you're documenting all this on one wheel, some uh, basically on a on a large poster that um gets gets um organized in in a fashion that's discernible and can be shared um with with leadership uh to help them see the whole story behind behind what may go into a solution and why um, my question to you is is there a way to quantify you know the action the, the actions that you're going to take and the progress that you make like how do you apply measurements to it to the success of it yeah that's a, that, it's a it's a great great uh thought it's a great question um we what would we try uh with qual with qualitative research is to find qualitative information but we know that quantitative research has kind of a feeling of maybe even being even more valid because you can look at numbers. Uh, that's not that easy to do with qualitative information. But what we found empirically is when you combine all these items, you can visually see how big the cluster is that makes an, a generalized element. And uh, with uh, since we do it on, on mural, we have a mural template that covers the whole process. Mm -hmm. We can count even the elements that we found. So um, we can, for example, see if uh, if uh, one uh, customer job has lots of constraints. There was a was a project I did with a US uh, healthcare startup, um, and we could see all the kind of the that huge number of constraints that a, a healthcare provider had because of I mean HIPAA and all all the regulations that exists and, and and that explained it why it made it so hard for the organization to move and change something and and, and there was a great learning for us to, to, to have it visually in front of you and you talked about leadership and i think um it is when when you do uh, customer research it is super uh, important um to be transparent about the data that you produced where it's coming from 
how it got processed, uh, also having a good way to explain what it means and not uh, like being buried in, 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 in tons of, uh, let's say, PowerPoint slides or documents or transcripts or so. To, to, to make it visual, you can uh, look at it as, as a group of people. Uh, it's like 24-7 available. So whenever you, you like, you can go in and, and look at, at, the, at the interview uh, level, which is like one interview on one wheel of progress. You can look at the aggregated uh, elements and then later on in the process, of course, we prioritize customer jobs and uh, and the other data, which was also important is, is that it's like not not every job is equal, right? You need to decide what customer jobs to apply for. Yeah, so so you have a the other parts of the process are, you know, once you're done with populating the wheel, then there's a prioritization process, right? That that turns into action. Yeah, that's a there's a there in the total there are five yeah. steps. The second step actually is doing uh, the interviews, documenting those on on a wheel of progress. Prior to that, we need to define what the pro what the project is. So, so define the project scope. Uh, we go in with what what data do you have available about customer jobs, pains and gains, and some of the other items to really learn what the organization already may know and define. The, the, the project, which is um, who do we want to interview? Uh, what are the segments? Uh, making sure they are diverse and there's some some depth. So you have maybe you you have a different audience by by gender, by age, by geography, and then you maybe um, interview like three of each, and then you have like nine or ten interviews, which can you work with, and uh, th that. That is the first step. That is super important because you, it doesn't make sense to kind of uh, start a project without thinking it through uh, what you want to uh, find out and where you want to focus. And that's that's why it's so so important to build the right interview profile and, and invite the right pe people. So the second step, as we said, is, is doing the interviews, documenting them on the wheel of progress. The third step is uh, the aggregation that I talked about. So using all the Data. It's like like puzzle pieces that you collect uh, during the interviews and, and throwing them on a table and starting to sorting them. So uh, building clusters, uh, generalizing them, and then uh, looking at the generalized items. In the fourth step, it's prioritizing customer jobs. This is uh, uh, where you perform the customer, where you have the, the customer to perform the customer job by building the right product or the, the right services and and also try to help them getting them through that process of making progress and um and uh, that that is like where the magic happens this prioritization is always when I, I explain to my clients this is when you do this as a diverse team with engineering product management uh marketing sales and get them all in one room and do the prioritization and uh, and, and, and apply some uh, objective criteria, you come out with a solution that is uh, supported by everyone because everyone was involved in making that decision, what customer job to apply for. And you have a strict uh, separation 
of problem and solution. So this is not about the solution you want to develop. This is all about, uh, in, in quotes, quotation marks, it's like the solution, uh, the, the problem. And uh, this, this, is, this is really, really fantastic. And then in the last step, you would use the data, the prioritized customer jobs and some of the other generalized data to form uh, a strategy. And it's like, a, it's like, a, like programming a flight computer. It's like, like you have the parameters from the research and program your, your computer, so to speak. And then um, you go through the four phases the customer typically goes through um, when trying to make progress and think about deeply, is there anything you can offer to help the customer in that particular phase to make progress? Can you help them to overcome procrastination? Can you help them to better define the solution space? What's all involved in finding a new, uh, uh, a new home for your, for your loved one, right? Um, the, in the third phase, you've helped to find them to make uh, help them to make the right choice, the right decision, um, because it's where the trade-off happens. What is the right solution for you in the fourth uh, phase? It is about the solution itself, the product, the services, and trying to be creative and create something that um, also serves the the customer job at the highest level, that level that I mentioned that customers have issues to articulate, but they which they all want to uh, accomplish. I heard. Let me let me double tap on one thing you said that I think can easily be um, just taken for granted, and that is, um, you know, you talked about when you had everybody in the room, sales, marketing, product, engineering, etc. Um, I think it's just so critical that you've got collaboration happening when it goes into what is what is the problem, problem definition, and also the solution. I think we talked about um, this this gentleman, Donald Miller, who's an author who wrote about the story brand and, and building a story brand. And one of the things he talks about is almost every story has a hero, uh, a guide, a villain, and a victim. And and the, uh, the mistake we can make as CX professionals guiding change is that we, we try to be the hero. And really what he suggests is that people don't need another hero. They don't want another hero. And and quite frankly, if they view you as the hero, they can often withdraw uh, and and uh, separate themselves from the conversation and not really tell you how they really feel. Um, going back to trusted advisor, it's a sort of a form of the opposite of, well, it's a sort of a form of self-orientation, which is the inverse of building trust. And so what you're suggesting is, you know, or, or built into your process, if done correctly, is we've got all the parties at the table involved. And that's part of the reason that it works. I also want, I, I want to get your confirmation on that. I also want to uh, say, you mentioned Mural as the digital tool that you use to capture the information, if I'm right. And so for those people who aren't familiar, it, it's essentially a digital whiteboard. That's that's all it is. There's lots of brands out there. I think Zoom, we're on a Zoom call right now. Zoom even mm -hmm. offers one. Uh, but that's all it is, is really taking his his model, his design, and putting it available, making it available digitally so multiple people can have access to it and, it beca and become uh, a curated, archivable device. But am, am I right about the collaboration piece? 
Uh, absolutely, that that is absolutely crucial. That that is my experience. That that you uh, foster collaboration. That you enable collaboration. And it's uh, it's. Uh, I had a great conversation with Sandra Thompson, which we both met at the conference. And when I when I showed her my my process, she said, "This is liberating." And I said, "Yes, I believe so. It is liberating." Um, I mean, just imagine uh, how much trust you build between uh, organizations, which typically kind of live in silos, at least in, in big companies, they people live in silos and they have their opinions about the other side. Sure do. They foster collaboration that you enable collaboration. And it's uh, it's uh, I had a great conversation with Sandra Thompson, which we both met at the conference. And when I when I showed her my my process, she said, this is liberating. And I said, yes, I believe so. It is liberating. Um, I mean, just imagine uh, how much trust you build between uh, organizations, which typically kind of live in silos, at least in, in big companies. They, people live in silos and they have their opinions about the other silos. <laughs> um, and, and, and when you go through a process and when you have tools and uh, objective criteria to apply towards a problem, to, towards a, like a shared purpose, the customer job becomes a shared purpose, then uh, you can hit, uh, you can kill two birds with one stone, I believe, which is one is making sure you're addressing the right customer problem, which is a, the, the right customer job. And also you ensure that everybody's on the same page. There's kind of, because you you immerse people in the data, um, I always encourage people to participate, at least to listen to customer interviews. And if uh, if you if people feel they understand the data, they've been part of the creation process, then they buy into the data. And um, and, uh, and and when you prioritize these customer jobs, everyone has a say. Nobody can kind of finger point to uh, uh, claim I wasn't part of the process. I did not decide what decide what problem to solve. So um, the customer will be happy uh, internally. People will be happy because they have been in involved. And uh, so I believe uh, you have a much better basis to move on because you have now this North Star that was created jointly um, for all groups for all teams to pursue yeah. so so Eckert um thanks for thanks for uh, affirming that thought which is collaboration helps with ownership on the back end of getting things done um I wanted to ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing an illustration <clears throat> you alluded to the um story about a nursing home uh which is a good example but can you can you share and you don't have to name the company but kind of a success story of, hey, we were here, this is the problem we we're trying to solve, and then here's the outcome, and here's why it worked out so well. Yeah, that was, uh, that was my case study at, uh, at the mm -hmm. conference. Um, so I consulted, I, I cannot call out the name because, it, uh, yeah, it's, uh, but I can talk about what kind of customers yeah. um, I, I, I worked for. It, it was an OEM for household appliances. And uh, when I introduced my method to them, I told them a story 
about um, a kitchen appliance uh, another company has produced based on um, on research on the customer. Um, but there were some, I think there were some systematic failures when they did the research because I don't think they uh, evaluated the customer job correctly. And I think there was exactly going on what, what was I, uh, what, what I was told telling before is like what what the the, the silos thought about each other and they didn't trust themselves um, and they also had perceptions about the customers which obviously were wrong because the product failed in in, in a big time so um that with that example as like hey this is not how how you're supposed to do this let's do it right uh, we did a research project with uh, 40 exam uh, with with 40, 40 interviews and uh, it was a little bit kind of larger than we typically do it because they wanted to understand sustainability as well. Um, if, if customers really would uh, buy any solutions that are that appear to be uh, or leading in sustainability. And uh, so we looked a little bit left and right uh, from that household appliance that they were um, that they want to produce. And after we, we have done the research, what happened is they understood that what they had developed, at least on paper, all the designs were already kind of, they had technology solutions in place already. It wasn't built yet, it wasn't fully engineered, but they had a very strong concept. They realized there is no market for mm. it. They realized we would have probably wasted a two-digit million euro or, or US dollar um, if we had done this, if we had just produced it, because it was really not obvious what customer job or a class of customer job it would solve. In fact, it was against everything we have seen uh, in terms of customer behavior, how they consume today. It was, well, I mean, there would be a, a huge bet. So the combination, I think, of of demonstrating this example of a failed product because they made kind of some mistakes i think and uh, also doing the research and and figuring out what the customer jobs were that customers really care about i think we they came up with a revelation that um okay let's go let's go back step back and, and go back to the drawing board and think about uh, a better solution that we could build hmm. so you save them uh, time, money, and energy by helping them avoid stepping into really some quicksand. <laughs> yeah, or or money pit. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that is that is fascinating. Um, I have one last question before I get to my final question, which is: I, I wonder if other people are thinking the same thing who haven't visual visually seen this. We've kind of described that this is more of a you know it's a wheel on a on a rectangular or a square piece of paper that turns into a mural design but how else would you describe for those who are familiar with what journey maps are how would you differentiate this from a journey map i think the uniqueness about the wheel of progress is that it has a lot of meaning from the customer point of view because it demonstrates the struggles going through the process of making progress. 
So as I explained, we have like we have like these two circles, the timeline, like this, these different steps and phases customers go through. We have the the um, constraints as the hub of the wheel, and then we have um, a vertical and a horizontal line. Um, so we have like four points in uh, in in time that go through the the canvas, and that divides it up into to four quadrants. So in uh, the in the first quadrant at the top left, uh, we put uh, forces that uh, that oppose each other to show the struggle. So do I do I go or do I stay? Uh, do I stay where I am because I, I feel comfortable because these are my habits, or do I go because I feel a strong push to move forward? In the second quadrant uh, at the top right, it's about making up my mind. Uh, what what are my desired outcomes, and what are the avoidances? Uh, so, kind of dreaming about a new solution that would be like ideal, which of course doesn't exist. In the third quadrant at the at the lower right, it's about making the trade off decision. So it's about the pull of a new product, or the products I've looked at could be several products, and the anxieties and the things I didn't like when I look at the products. So also, again, opposing forces, one pulling me, the other one is kind of pushing me back. And in the fourth quadrant at the lower left side, we capture the customer jobs with their pains and their gains. Also pains and gains are like a little bit like opposing forces. One is positive, the other one is negative. So this whole canvas, um, is able to to demonstrate what the struggle is of making progress, and that's why we as providers can help the customers uh, to ease uh, that kind of that movement and uh, and making progress at at the end. Excellent, excellent. I love I love from the beginning till the end the idea of you know what problem are we really trying to solve here? Let's spend more time on that. And uh, this this tool is a mechanism strategy really helps us to get to that, the answer to those questions. And the illustration you gave, uh, you know, sometimes it's really a go or no-go go decision, whether you're even aware of it. And in this particular example, it was a no-go decision, which saved the organization a ton of time, money, energy, resources, et cetera. So before before we, gr- we go, I want to ask uh, you if, if, well, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Yeah, in, in, in retrospect, uh, I, I would say uh, when you're when you're young, when you when you're fresh from college or, or university, um, you don't know what the future is going to look like, um, and just trust yourself. Trust that you will go through a path. Uh, there will be ups and downs, but eventually. Uh, you will discover where your where your strengths and weaknesses are, where your passion is, and things that that you think you can make a big difference. I've never thought, like five years ago, I would have never thought that I would ever develop a, a tool, a business tool, or a process or a method. And nowadays, I I look back and 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 just. I'm surprised that 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 happened. Uh, although it was never my my goal to do this, um, so trust have just trust in yourself. 
um, that you will discover kind of your your destination, um, your where you belong in, in in the future eventually. Excellent. And Eckert, if people would like to get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them to reach you? I think a great way would to be um, connect through LinkedIn. So uh, you will find me uh, on on LinkedIn. Maybe you can 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 post uh, kind of my my yeah. name. Um, that's only one Eckhart Bomi on uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, otherwise, uh, I do have two websites that I would uh, recommend. One is my company website uh, unipro-solutions.com, uh, where I describe the the program, the offer, the process, and how I can help if people are interested in applying this. And the other one is wheelofprogress.com which talks more about like the tool we developed uh, more than four years ago and has some examples. And so you can learn about the tool if you're just interested in the Wheel of Progress. Excellent. Um, so Eckert, I want to say this again. Boom. 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 Yeah. Boom. Excellent. Love it. Eckert Boom. All right. He's got a big smile yes. on his face if you're not watching it on video. And so do I. And we're just so grateful that you were able to join us on the Delighted Customers podcast. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Delighted Customers podcast. I'd like to ask you a favor. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of my other ones, hit subscribe or follow. I've got a lot of other great guests that are coming up and a lot of other great content, and I don't want you to miss anything. You can find any links or references on the show in the show notes, and you can find those on my website at empoweredcx.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 